Thank you so much, ladies, for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. It's really a pleasure. Start with uh, 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 Ms. Ramakwatlela. Did you know about the this Landau meeting before? Um, my first time hearing about the Landau was last year when I was about to apply. So I did not know about it before. I heard about it from my mentor, who is also my co-supervisor, Dr. Edith Palani. She's the one that told me about it. That's when I started reading up about it and preparing my application. So at the University of Johannesburg, what do you do? I'm a research assistant and also doing my PhD. I'm in my second year of PhD in public health. Focusing on what? (laughs) My study is focusing on uh, the impact of COVID-19 on HIV treatment services and the care continuum in general among key populations. My specific uh, focus is among men who have sex with men. That's part Mm. of the key populations. Mm. That's quite interesting. We'll delve into that as well because um, COVID-19 has had a devastating impact for us, not only um, for for our health, but the way the um, healthcare um, system is, is changing as well. Let me also take this opportunity to uh, welcome Dr. Sunaina Endemon. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us here on Ubuntu Radio. Thank you so much for having me. What do you do at South African Health Product Agricultural Authority? So actually over there, I just recently got that position. So I'm an external um, expert evaluator. So basically what we do is we um, evaluate dossiers that uh, for medications that need to be distributed within South Africa. So we just need to make sure they're legally compliant. Um, yeah. And then um, how did you get to know about this? There have been a while things you, you wanted to, to attend. Will be the first one, uh, the first time you're attending? Yes, it will be the first time this Opportunity actually presented itself to me, I think, um, in 2019, just before COVID hit. Um, so I was a postdoc at WITS, at the WITS Advanced Drug Delivery Platform. And I was, uh, so when I was at WITS, I was, I was basically involved in numerous, like, uh, field, research fields, such as, like, transdermal delivery, responsive delivery, tissue engineering, everything at that point in my life was all about research. And that's when uh, one of my colleagues and mentors as well um, uh, actually told me about this opportunity, and they actually encouraged us, encouraged a lot of us to apply. And, you know, they supported us through this and they told us what a great opportunity it is. So that led us to applying. And I'm actually so happy that I did. As far as science is concerned, when someone says, what is your science agenda, um, Dr. Indum? Um, So my main agenda, I think, is pharmaceutical uh, drug delivery <laughs> systems. Uh, basically, anything to advance those type of systems. So um, it, could, it ranges from like, like uh, delivery through the skin to anything that requires some sort of outside uh, a response to some sort of outside stimuli, like to heat or to like a magnet, uh, even like, you know, tissue engineering to replace body parts that, you know, we eventually going to need in the, at some point in the future, even neurological mm. conditions. So I actually have like a broad range. Wow. Wow. Uh, this, this is quite, for, for us, we, we think this is, uh, kind of groundbreaking research, and I think that uh, university needs to really be commended um, for for this kind of um, um, research and the studies as well and focus. It seems as if definitely one of the things that I wanted to talk about was definitely how South African scientists are leading in the continent and also globally. So let me talk to Dr. Ramezi. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Hi. At the University of Cape Town, undoubtedly also get reported about uh, its research capabilities as well. Talk to us about the work you do at UCT. Okay, so I am based in the health science faculty at uh, UCT, and I'm a PhD fellow in immunology, but I'm also a medical doctor. 
And um, what do you specialize in as a medical doctor? So I'm, I'm, I'm a general practitioner, but I'm yeah. specifically looking through my PhD, specializing in immunology, so the immune system, but particularly HIV immunology. And what what your studies has uh, shown, or is too early to reveal? <laughs> you need to present it as you go defend your work. <laughs> yes, I still have to defend it in a, in a few weeks or months time. But generally, what we are looking at is, um, if you look at the um, HIV rates in in the world and in South Africa, there's been a great progress in terms of reducing, you know, the mortalities, the sicknesses and the hospitalizations related to HIV, but the number of new HIV infections are still very high. So what that suggests is that as scientists, we still need to do a lot of work in terms of exploring um, the mechanisms that underlie HIV infections, particularly in heterosexual men, which is one of the least studied aspects of HIV transmission. So my project is looking at how HIV mechanisms um, are impacted in the male penis. So I look at characterize various factors in the male uh, penis to see how that increases one's risk to get HIV. Is it? Do you feel that this this kind of research um, could be brand, groundbreaking when it look at in terms of how it can impact? As they say, the infections are still way too high, and are, are we are we somehow then dealing with the source of why do we still have the high infection as well? Do Yes, there's, there's a lot of study that's looking at that definitely, and we've done a lot of progress in that there's a lot more prevention options, such as medical male circumcision, PrEP. However, in the male, heterosexual male groups, uh, mm. because a lot of infection rates have been uh, recorded to be in young female adults, a lot of research in terms of trying to understand HIV transmission mechanisms has largely focused on the female vagina, so the female genital tract, but there's very little research that actually zooms in on the male penis and the different parts of the male penis and how that can impact one's risk. And through identifying certain factors, immune factors in the penis, you know, the the hope is that one can then come up with other alternative preventative strategies in male, um, in heterosexual males, apart from mm-hmm. uh, the ones that already exist. This also contribute to the stigma maybe that we'll have towards men and women as far as HIV infections are concerned. And what role do scientists may have in order to dispel such a misconception about HIV infections and so on? Just to clarify, when you say stigma, which ones are you referring to? Certain stereotypes are around young men and women. I mean, it's very sad that we still even have HIV stigma and that to this day, given that, you know, 70% of the global HIV rates are, you know, Mm. accounted for by sub-Saharan Africa, with South Africa being one of the leading countries contributing to those number of cases. But, um, you know, in this day and age, when someone gets infected with HIV, you cannot just, you know, say it's because they're exploring themselves. It's because, you know, they are not careful enough. Uh, there are multiple factors that that contribute to being at uh, increased risk of HIV. In fact, part of my research work, although it looks at a basic science biological level, is exploring some of those risk factors and why certain individuals are more at risk of getting HIV than others. Betty mentioned key population groups. There are also groups that I identify to both biologically and socially to be at a higher risk of getting HIV than others. And that's due to multiple factors. And mm. so, you know, the, the idea of, of stigma is something that I think as scientists, we are definitely being very intentional about, you know, um, kind of um, 
diluting or getting rid of but it's more also of a community uh, a community thing where again the concept of science communication is very important where conversations should happen between scientists and the community so that the community can further understand what actually happens you know when one you know gets infected and what are the risk factors coming to to mr sebati in terms of your your your, your viewpoint how significant is community engagement uh, among scientists that they they engage with communities about their research and say so that we are always told that universities and the academia in itself must always do research that is impactful to society. Yes, thank you. Yes, yeah, it's very important for researchers to con- constantly engage with the community because the research we do is going to have an impact in their lives and it's for uh, uh, for the better for lack of a better word it is to to improve their lives as well we're not doing it for us but for the whole community and for the whole world so it's important for us to keep in contact with them throughout engage them and find out their experiences because that's where we, we that for, for, through them is where we, we identify the problems that we have in the communities and it will help us to focus on what we need to, to research on in order to improve the lives of everyone Mm. Are you doing any partnership with other universities or any other communities uh, to so to speak in terms of maybe your work and also your research? Okay, with my work, the plan is to co- conduct interviews among key populations in Limpopo. So mm. p- part of my study, we're, we're using secondary data, uh, program data from some organization. I don't think I can name it right now, but we're going to get program data from a certain organization. So that's a uh, part of our, it's a non, uh, non-profit organization that's funded by the Global Fund to conduct HIV uh, prevention and uh, treatment programs. So that's where we're going to get part of our data. Then the other part, we're going to interview key populations in Limpopo province, Capricorn district, from another sub-recipient of the first organization that I mentioned. I don't think I can name them. But yeah, yeah, yeah have, absolutely not. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. But we yeah. do have our organizations, HIV organizations that we are working with. Yes, mm, that's uh, quite significant. Um, uh, Doctor Endemol, the significance of communication skills for scientists. Well, actually, from a communication point of view, in addition to what um, Betty has said, um, scientific communication in our in our community is like I, I actually can't even even begin to describe the importance, like mm-hmm. the collaborations that can come from this, the, the research expertise, the um, the ability to work in a team. I think actually the whole point of um, scientific research is actually te- is to actually work in a team and ensure teamwork to, to um, you know, to achieve the uh, achieve goals or to better the, the to better society and community uh, in general. Um, I think also with um, um, this. Um, with this, with the how important it is uh, it, uh, in uh, South Africa, like I think nobody understands at this moment that the science and research that we actually have in this country is on par with other countries, and we have so many leading experts, um, you know, in various fields, and you know, these, these all these experts came up a lot during the COVID pandemic, and mm. the research and science that we generate is, I think, so ex- I think nobody understands the excellence or the the, the level that yeah. we are at. Um, mm. and, and I think that that's the main thing is these collaborations and, you know, engaging the scientific community. We actually need to come together as a country and show the world that, you know, hey, South Africa is here. South Africa knows what they're doing. Mm. Um, Dr. Ramiti, I'm sure you're quite excited in terms of just the amount of South African attention that South African uh, 
uh, scientists got during the COVID pandemic, given the fact that uh, also the issue of the uh, Im- immune system was really a leading issue, one of the leading issues as far as COVID-19 is concerned in terms of fighting infections. Definitely excited that the the the, the pandemic kind of slowly uh, uh, removed the wall that exists, that still exists amongst, uh, scientists in the community. However, mm-hmm. I also learned a lot from that, um, that experience. And I, and I hope that, uh, the science community and researchers have learned from that. The pandemic showed us that there's still a lot of work that we need to do in terms of science communication. You've seen that there's been, uh, vaccine hesitancy, uh, uh science mistrust. All that comes because of the, the, I, in my opinion, um, we have been doing some science communication, but perhaps it's not been landing the way we think it's been landing. And, and I think science communication is so important because we saw with the, the example of the COVID pandemic that when you don't have that bridge where you keep the community up to date with what you're doing and ensure that they understand, you know, the implications and why you're doing what you're doing and if they actually agree with it so that by the time we face the crisis where everyone has to stand in unity and, for example, go get vaccinated, you don't have a problem where you still have in, in South Africa and Africa, we still have quite um, uh, low rates of vaccine uptake. And that should also partly speak to our science communication as a science community. Mm, that's uh, quite significant as well. In terms of, uh, uh, Dr. Ramitz, in terms of your engagement with community around here in the Western Cape, I'm, I'm also speaking to you live from the Western Cape now, a South Africa host, the, 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 the ministers of BRICS. One of the issues oh, that they, it, yes. yes, one of the issues that being spoken about is health collaboration between Russia, India, China, um, uh, uh, Brazil, um, all the BRICS members talking about collaboration um, in this important uh, um, issue. How significant is that? Collaboration is important, um, and 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 personally, I work with a, a one of an NGO called Ewoza, an exceptional NGO that is actually based in the Western Cape, but also mm-hmm. works in other provinces, which primarily focuses on trying to bridge science uh, amongst the young people. So we work with high school learners, particularly in townships such as Kailicha, and mm-hmm. we also partner with universities and other organisations, also international organisations. Um, and the, the the aim again is to try and 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 make sure that from a young age in high schools, young kids understand, you know, the basics of HIV, the basics of science and research, TB, etc. Collaborations across countries is important uh, because, of course, our experience of different diseases is different, but also there's mm. a commonal- commonality in terms of um, the kind of research that we do. However, I do think local should be strengthened first, you know, before you start looking at how you can collaborate with Russia and, you know, in India, uh, strength, uh, inter-provincial, uh, you know, local uh, collaboration should also be, you know, um, uh, intensified and strengthened. And, and I think that's uh, um, equally important when, when it comes to collaborations international for science communication. I've been really thrilled to engage with all three of you. Just in 30 seconds each, um, Ms. Rama Khwatlela, in terms of what are you looking forward to the most um, about your participation in the uh, 72nd uh, Lindau Nobel Laureate meeting? Okay, thank you. Um, I'm looking forward to networking. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to meet the most uh, researchers who are in physiology and medicine that are the Nobel Laureates winners are there at Lindau, who, are go- who I'm going to share them the details of my study, seek for advice in this academic career, and just to, to just create um, global 
collaborators for a lifetime that I'm going to collaborate with in the near and far future. Um, Dr. Endemon? Um, I think from my side, as you know, as speaking from a woman in science, it's going to be an excellent opportunity to represent South Africa on a global scale and, you know, to show the world what we, what research we are capable of doing in our own country. Um, I think also, um, you know, to get a, uh, a chance to learn from the best minds in the world of science and get a first-hand account of how they were able to translate their ideas into to consideration for a Nobel Prize is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity in itself. Oh, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So, uh, Dr. Rametti, as you conclude? Yes, uh, of course, I agree with what my uh, my colleagues have said. And also, I think for me, one of the most powerful things that I've encountered in, you know, attending different science meetings and, you know, summits is getting to know people's personal journeys. So I look forward to hear about the personal journeys of the actual Nobel Prize winners, but also other young scientists from across the world, just to hear how they've been navigating science in their own contexts and, you know, their own personal journeys and and I think just hearing about their motivations and inspirations is what I look forward most to. Ah, We really thank the Academy of Science of South Africa who have uh, put this uh, uh, program together and also making sure that we congratulate you and also look forward to to you engaging with the world as well. Congratulations all of you and thank you so much for joining us on Ubuntu Radio. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us.